want to invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our series uh, going through the gospel of Matthew together. And we're in the section here on the, in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is really Jesus' teaching to the believer, those who have put their faith in, in Christ, on how we live as a follower of Jesus. After, after we have been saved, after we have been filled with God's Spirit, after we have been set free from the power of the devil, what, what does our life look like as a believer in Jesus? And the, the underlying uh, assumption in all of this is that it should look different than before you came to Christ. Yeah. There, there should be uh, some obvious fruit of, of Christ and his work in our lives. Now, uh, how many of you were, you came to the Lord at a very young age? That, that was my testimony. I, I honestly have a hard time remembering, you know, my life in the world. I, I was never in the world. I, I grew up in the church. I grew up as a part of the kingdom of God and and some of us in here today, you would have a, 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 a salvation experience like Paul on the road to Damascus where it was a blinding light and God got a hold of you and radically saved you and transformed you. How many of you have a testimony of something like that? Yeah, amen, amen. Some of us, you know, if we grew up in the church, most likely we didn't have a Damascus road experience we had like a dimmer switch that went on and on and on and when did when was it on we we, it's hard to point back to a point where we can definitively say yes this is when the light came on especially if you were like me and you went to vbs every year and you gave your heart to jesus 15 times before noon you know i mean which was the one time i don't know but i know i love jesus today and so our, our lives, no matter what, what we've been through up until this point, if, if Christ has saved us, set us free, washed us in his blood, forgiven our sins, th this is what the Christian life looks like. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, we looked at this section last week, and today we're drilling down specifically on the part of the Lord's Prayer but I'm going to read uh, again this morning from verses 5 through uh, 15 this morning. And then we'll look specifically at verse uh, 9 through 13 as we dig in today. So, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, as we spend time here today looking at this Lord's Prayer, I pray that you would press into all of our hearts the importance, the necessity that we, as as followers of you, that we are people of prayer. Lord, draw us into times of deeper prayer, deeper understanding of prayer, deeper uh, intimacy and fellowship and communion with you. Lord, we live in a day that is uh, unlike any other day before us. Lord, we, we face certain challenges that none of the saints of old had faced. Certainly they faced other challenges that we don't face today. Lord, as, as you've called us here, you've placed us here Lord, your word says that you determine the times and the seasons in which we live. So it's not an accident that any of us is alive today in 2023. But Lord, we pray that you would would help us to to rise to the challenge. That we would meet the challenges of our day and that we would persevere. And that we would be known as people of prayer. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Uh, Again, just uh, by way of reminder on on some of the things we went over last week as we looked at prayer, the assumption that Jesus is making is not if you pray, but when you pray. Not if you pray. Jesus doesn't say if you pray, if you're able to get around to it, if you can make it and put it in your schedule, if you're a person of prayer. No, the assumption that Jesus is making is that his people are praying people. So that he can say, when you pray. So God's people in the kingdom of God, we are to be a praying people. Now last week I shared with you two M's and two F's. How many remember that? Two M's and two F's on prayer. And I said, I I wish I could have figured out how to get four M's. It would have been easier to remember, but I couldn't figure it out. Well, lo and behold... Before I was even finished, Pastor Terry Cisneros had come up with four M's. He had, he had found the two missing M's that I had been looking for. Last week I shared with you the motivation for prayer, that we're not praying to, to, to be seen by others, but we're praying to have fellowship with God. Amen? That's the motivation. The method of prayer, which we're going to concentrate on today, that's the other M... The first F I had given you was forgiveness, as we saw here in 14 and 15. And Pastor Terry came up with that we should not just focus on forgiveness, but that we should be mindful of forgiveness. Be mindful of forgiveness. So if you want to amend your notes from last week, you can put mindful of forgiveness. And then, of course, we looked at last week, we didn't read it here today, but verses 16 to 18 was on fasting the other F, and Pastor Terry had there to master fasting, which is to master your appetites. And so those are the four M's. Today we're we're focusing in on this method 
of prayer, this method of prayer. And I would submit to you this morning that God must love to answer this prayer. He must love to answer this prayer because he taught us to pray it. And it would be cruel and punitive and unusual for God to teach us to pray a prayer that he has no intention of answering. And I would say to you that he must love this prayer and he must have every intention of answering it. That is why he taught us to pray it. Would you agree with that? So I'm going to share with you three ways that we can pray this prayer. Three ways that we can pray this prayer. I'm going to share with you two of them that are good and one of them that isn't. Two good ways and one bad way to pray this prayer. I'm going to give you the bad one first. The first way that we can pray this prayer, that we shouldn't pray this prayer this way, is as Jesus said, vain repetition. Right in verse 7, Jesus says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases or vain repetitions. So we should not pray this prayer if we're just repeating the words. If we think that just by saying the words with our mind thinking about whatever, our heart not placed on it, not thinking about the Lord, just going through the motions of religious activity and duty, well, I'm supposed to do this, so I'm just going to do it. That's not going to do anything. That's just empty phrases. It's just empty words. Jesus says, don't be like that. He says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. Don't heap up empty words. The, the way not to pray this prayer is to pray it mindlessly, heartlessly, just reciting it because it's something I'm supposed to do. But when we pray, we, we need to have our minds engaged. We need to have our hearts engaged. And guess what? That takes work. That takes work. By work, I mean it takes effort. It takes intentionality. Especially, I said as I prayed this morning, the, the challenges that we have in our day is all of our minds are being rewired to, to, to have a, an attention span of a gnat. To, to have a 15-second attention span. To, to where every 15 seconds you're checking out. And so it's hard for us to, to focus. It's hard for us to, to, to set aside time and to just set our hearts on the Lord. It, or, or is that just me? Am I just speaking to my own experience today? All of the buzzes and the notifications and the emails and... And, and this headline and that headline, it's just constantly dragging our attention all over the place. And it puts us in this mode of if we're not getting that, and it's a chemical reaction, that dopamine hit, every 10 to 15 seconds we just check out and we just start looking for another something that will tickle us and make us feel good and, 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 and you know, just get our minds engaged. So, so when we come to prayer, we have to discipline our hearts, discipline our minds, so that we don't just mindlessly recite this prayer. It's the same when we come to God's Word. Have you ever been reading something in the Word of God, and the next thing you know, you've read five chapters, and you have no idea what's happened? You're reading the words, but your mind is somewhere else. 
We must discipline our hearts, discipline our minds. So the way not to pray this prayer is to just simply repeat the words, not putting your heart into it, not thinking about it, not actually meaning it, but just using empty words. Don't do that, Jesus says. Don't do that. And I know he doesn't want us to pray this prayer that way because he just, right before he gave us this model prayer, he said, don't heap up empty phrases. Don't use vain repetitions. So let's not do that, amen? The second way we can pray this prayer is we can recite it with your heart and your mind engaged to, to really pray these words. It's not that all repetition is bad. It's that vain and empty repetition is what we want to stay away from. And again, if all repetition was bad, Jesus wouldn't have given us this prayer as a model for prayer. In Luke's gospel, where we find this prayer, what precedes it is not Jesus in a sermon, but his disciples come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And he gives them this prayer as a, as a teaching tool. So I, I don't believe that it's bad to repeat this prayer. I don't believe that it's bad to recite this prayer. I believe, believe we can pray this prayer and pray these words, word for word, with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And I believe that when we do so, it can be impactful and it can be meaningful. For centuries, millennia, most Christians would pray this prayer every day. This is what Christians did. This is how Christians prayed. And I honestly feel that we in the modern world, if we have abandoned this practice of praying the Lord's Prayer daily, that we have done so to our own detriment. Now this prayer was taught to me as a child. It was taught to me to recite it and to repeat it as a child. I remember as a, as a young boy, whenever we would go over to my grandparents' house and stay there, we would never leave the breakfast table before we recited the Lord's Prayer. Not a once would we start our day without praying the Lord's Prayer together. Now you might say, well, I, if I prayed it yesterday, do I pray it again today? That seems a little bit repetitive. And to that I would ask you, did you tell your wife that you loved her yesterday? Aren't you going to do that again today? I hope so. I hope so. Didn't you tell your husband yesterday that you loved him? Or do you not think that it's valid again today? Some of you that still need convincing, let me come at it at another angle. Did you eat yesterday? Do you have any plans to eat again today? Everything that's repetitive is not bad. We live in this culture that there's, there's kind of this idea that if it's not spontaneous, that it's not meaningful. It has to be spontaneous for it to, to be real or to be genuine. And I think part of the reason we feel that way is 
We've been marketed to so much. We, we've, we've had people tell us all the right things so much and not mean it that we feel like it, for it to be meaningful, it has to be off script, uh, for it to be real and to be genuine. But, but that's, I, I simply reject that. You know, if, if, if I plan a, 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 a date for me and, and Heather and I say, we're going to go to this restaurant and I make a reservation and then we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Is that any less meaningful than if we get in the car and I say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Let's be spontaneous. I, it, no, it, intentionality and planning and, and, and having things predetermined ahead of time, it doesn't make it meaningless. It, it just means that you have a plan. And I think that we as Christians should get back to using this prayer as a model for how we should pray and that we should pray this prayer every day. Not again as vain repetition. If you're going to do that, you, you might as well not do it. But my argument to you, my advice to you would not be to set the prayer aside, but instead to get your heart right. Amen. Instead of, well, I'm not praying it meaningfully, so I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. So instead of not praying, no, let's just get our heart right. Let, let's just get our heart engaged. And so I think we should do this prayer every day. And when we get to the end today, I'm going to share with you a way that we can do this, a plan that we can do this as a church together. Number three, the way that we can pray this prayer. So the first one is with empty words. Just recite it. No, we don't want to do that. The second one is to pray this prayer, to recite it word for word, but to do so with our hearts engaged and with our mind engaged and, and honestly praying this prayer before God. That's the second way. And then the third way that we can utilize this prayer is that we can uh, use it as a model for our prayer lives. That this prayer, when, when they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, he was giving this prayer to them as instructions on what a healthy prayer time or prayer life looks like. That we can use this prayer to shape and to mold all of our prayer times and all of our prayer life. In that way, we could think of this prayer as the training wheels for your prayer life. They, they, they teach us how to, to, to ride, if you will, the bicycle of prayer. That we need a little bit of guidance. We, we need a little bit of, of, of help to keep our balance so that our prayer life doesn't become unbalanced. So that we don't uh, end up focusing on, on things for a long time that, that, that in fact we, we should be moving on and, and praying other things in other ways. This prayer helps us to keep our balance in our prayer time. And so this prayer can inform us and teach us how to pray. And so I want to walk through this here this morning. Walk through these individual sections, giving you some thoughts, some ways that you could pray this prayer. Uh, it's very... Uh, easy to take this prayer and to use it as a model and pray through it and, and spend an hour in prayer with the Lord when you use this and pray through each one of these uh, sections that he's given to us. And so let's look at this first one here this morning. I'm not going to be very lengthy on this, 
Uh, at one point, I was considering taking a week on each one of these, which we certainly could do, as we also did on the Beatitudes. But I also want to finish Matthew's gospel before Jesus comes back. And so, uh, you know, at some point we got to make decisions. So I uh, just want to give you some brief thoughts on each one of these here this morning. This first one, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father in heaven. First, I want to draw your attention to the very first word in this prayer. Our. Our. This whole prayer does not use singular pronouns. This whole prayer uses first person plural pronouns. Our Father, our daily bread, forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This prayer that Jesus gives us it reminds us that we are part of the body of Christ. Amen. That yes, God is my Father, but He is also our Father. And that when we pray this way, it orients us into the body of Christ. Yes, God saves me as an individual. I'm not saved because of what part of, of what family I'm from or or what kind of church I was from. No, I, my salvation before God is personal. It is individual. But my salvation is not to be lived out individually. God places us within a body. He places us within a church family. And so every time that we pray this prayer and we pray our Father, I'm reminded that I've got brothers and sisters all around the world. I've got brothers and sisters from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I've got brothers and sisters that are part of our church together. Our Father. The second word here, Father. Father. It's an amazing word to use for God. An amazing word. Of all the ways that God has revealed himself to humanity, he chose to reveal himself to us as a father. I want to ask you this question. I want you to ponder it for a moment. On what basis can we call God our Father? On what basis can we call God our Father? Well, what this implies is that if I call God Father, that I'm part of His family. It's only on the merits of Christ and his atoning work for me that I'm a part of God's family. Without Christ, I'm an orphan in the world. Without Christ, I have no family, spiritual family. Without Christ, I'm alienated from God. I am separated from God by my sin. But because of the work of Christ... I can call God my Father. And so here in these first few words, we are immediately thrust into and launched into the gospel of Jesus. And as I pray, God, that you are my Father, my Father who is in heaven, our Father who is in heaven, God, thank you that I am a part of your family. Thank you for the work of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for his atoning death. Thank you that I am forgiven of my sin. 
Thank you that you have called me out of a family of death and darkness and destruction and brought me into the family of light and life and love. Lord, it is only by your grace and by your mercy. Thank you, thank you, thank you that I am a part of your family. Our Father who art in heaven. And, and you, can sp- you can spend an hour on that. But our Father who is in heaven it reminds us we, our God is high and exalted. He, he, he is seated on the throne. He is far above every other name that can be named. That, that there is no one above God. That, that he is the top. That he is sovereign. That he is enthroned. That he is exalted. That his glory is without comparison. As, as we pray and reflect on his glory, we, we, we are reminded like the psalmist who, who prayed, what is man that you are mindful of him? Yet you call us to be your own children. You call us into friendship and into relationship, our Father who is in heaven. He goes on to say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. This reminds us of the holiness of God. The holiness of God. You could go to Isaiah 6 and and read about the revelation that Isaiah had as, as he beheld God's glory, as he beheld God's holiness as he was high and lifted up as he was exalted the prayer is that that God's name would be hallowed that that it would be regarded as holy may your name be honored as holy separated other that 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 we would not treat you and that we would not treat our our fellowship with you our intimacy with you as something common, as something uh, that's not uh, to be regarded as precious, but God, that we would regard you as holy. And you can start with you and you can pray out in, in concentric circles. You can pray that, that God's name would be hallowed in your own life. You can pray, Lord, show me, if, is, is, are there places in my life that I am not regarding you as holy. Lord, reveal to me your holiness. I want to see a glimpse, just give me a glimpse of your glory, a greater picture of, of, your, of your splendor that I might hallow your name. You can pray that for your family. You can pray that individually for each member of your family. Lord, that, that they would would hallow your name and that they would get a glimpse of your glory and a a revelation of your holiness. Go through your family. Pray for them that that God's name would be hallowed. Pray for God's name to be hallowed in your church, at your workplace, in your nation. Lifting up our leaders one by one that that they would get a glimpse of the holiness of God. I mean, you want to talk about things that would change things? As if our elected officials 
had a revelation of the holiness of God. Are we praying that God's name would be hallowed? That's the first line. <laughs> Moving on, verse 10, that your kingdom would come. That's that God's rule and reign would grow and that it would expand. And again, we can start with me in my life. Lord, is there any place in my life that, that I'm not submitted to you, that I'm not submitted to your word in my family, that your kingdom would come in my family, where I work, where I go to school, in our community, in our nation, in our church. God, for your kingdom, your rule, and your reign to manifest. And then tied very closely with, with God's kingdom coming is his will being done. God's kingdom manifests where his will is being done. God's kingdom manifests where his word is being obeyed. And so this prayer for God's kingdom and God's will to be done, this is a total reorienting of our life. Because our natural state in our flesh, what do, what do we want to pray? Don't we want to pray, my kingdom come, my will be done? God, this is what I want. This is what I want to see happen. Lord, this is my vision. We take that to the Lord in prayer. No, if, if, we're, if we're having our prayer life shaped, molded by this model prayer, we always must be praying, God's will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When we pray this, it reorients our whole heart away from what we want and puts it on what God wants. And then he says that we're to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer that we're praying about is about right here, right now. Where we live right now. That God's kingdom would manifest in our lives, in our communities, in our nation, right here, right now. On earth as it is in heaven. Now remember, I told you that God loves to answer this prayer. God wants his people to pray this prayer so that he will answer this prayer. Last week I taught that one of the ways that God accomplishes his will is through the prayers of his people. Could it be that the reason why we see so much chaos around us is because God's people are not praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. God loves to answer this prayer. But we must pray it on earth as it is in heaven, right here, right now. Then... Once we've 
confess that it's his kingdom that we're living for, that it's his will that we want to see done, then we move on to making our petitions before God. Give us today our daily bread. This is asking God for his provision. God is our provider, amen? He is our provider. But notice what this does is it causes us to look to God for our provision. Taking our eyes off of our jobs, taking our eyes off of the state as if they could provide for us, taking our eyes off of every other person or institution, and we put our eyes on God. God, you are my provider. Give us today, Lord, help, uh, give us our daily needs, our daily provision. Thank you that you are my provider. Thank you that you promised to meet all of my needs according to your riches in glory. Amen. Notice, of course, it doesn't say in Philippians 4.19 that God will meet and supply all of your wants, but all of your needs. And as it turns out, when I compare my needs and wants category to God's list, he, he has a lot of things in the wants category that I have in the needs category. He, he kind of, our lists don't always sync up. And so that's why before I can even pray for my daily supply, for my daily bread, I must first pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. Moves on to a, a section of forgive us our debts or our sins. This is a time of confession and repentance before the Lord. The good news is that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The bad news is that we're all sinners. That's the bad news. But the good news is way better than the bad news. There is not a sin that you will confess before God that he will not forgive. If you take it to the Lord in repentance and confession, the promise is that you will have your sins forgiven. But now having my sins forgiven, I'm called to forgive those who have sinned against us. And so this is a point where we can declare our forgiveness over those who have sinned against us. We can ask God to help us to forgive those that have hurt us and that have wronged us. We can name their names. We could take their names before the Lord. We can ask God to move in their lives. Lead us not into temptation in verse 13. Now the Bible says that God does not tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt anyone. All temptation is from the devil. But in this prayer, what we're asking is that God would keep us from temptation. That he would keep our hearts from straying into temptation and sin. And so Lord, today, keep me from temptation. Lord, guard my eyes from things that would lead me astray. Guard my heart from things that would take my affections away uh, from you, away from my wife, away from my children, away from my church. Lord, protect me, guard me, keep me from temptation today. Lord, watch over my family today. Keep Heather and Faith and Judah and Asher and Charity from temptation today. Lord, the, the members of Christ is King Church, God, that you would protect us and that you would guard us and that you would keep us from temptation today. 
And deliver us, he says, verse 13, deliver us from evil. I was at a conference recently and every day as they opened in prayer, the prayer leader would say this in the prayer. He, he didn't recite the Lord's Prayer, but he would close the prayer by saying, keep sin and evil far from us. Keep sin and evil far from us. Deliver us from evil. Lord, all the plans that the enemy has made and laid for me and my life and my wife and my kids and my family and my church, Lord, that you would keep us from them, that you would guard us, that you would keep us in the shadow of your wing, that you would protect us, that you would watch over us, even as we prayed for the children this morning, that God would protect them, not just their bodies, but their hearts and their minds. Keep us from evil. You know, Jesus, not only did he give us this prayer as a model, but he prayed this prayer for us. We know that he is our intercessor at the right hand of the Father. You recall with uh, Peter, Jesus told Peter that Satan had requested to sift him as wheat, which I don't know if you know what wheat sifting looks like. I would not want to be sifted as wheat, okay? You, you, I mean, it's just shaken to the core. And if I were Peter, I would have said, you told him no, right? <laughs> you said, no, you can't touch him. But Jesus says to Peter, but Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. That, that though, though the evil one would come against you and attack you, that his plans would not prevail, that God would keep us from evil. And then the great conclusion, this resounding crescendo, that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. It ends by putting the glory back on Christ. Though we've come down and we've dealt with our needs, we've taken them before the Lord, we've dealt with our sins, we've taken them before the Lord, we've dealt with forgiveness and unforgiveness, we've taken that before the Lord, we've dealt with temptation and with evil, we've taken that before the Lord, but then he lifts our eyes back to him back off of ourselves, back on him, that the glory, the power, the kingdom belong to him forever and ever, fixing our hearts, rooting them in eternity itself. This prayer, it reminds us of our total and utter dependence upon God for everything in our lives. Now, in closing today, just some points of application. I want to remind you that we need to pray more. We need to pray more. I don't know how much you pray, but you need to pray more. Whatever that is, we need to pray more. And again, reminding you that God must love to answer this prayer. Otherwise, he would not have taught us to pray it. 
And so that when we pray this prayer, we can pray it in faith, believing that he will answer this prayer. Now, something I want to submit to all of us here today, as members of the church, maybe this is your first time here. Hey, guess what? You're a part of this too here today. Is that for the next month, the next month, the next 30 days or so, that we would stop daily and pray this prayer. And I'm requesting that you do it at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Why 3 p.m.? Well, because I thought it was better than 3 a.m., okay? <laughs> I thought we'd get more participation. We, I got to pick some time, so... Uh, 3 p.m. I, I want it to be in the middle of the day. I want it to interrupt us a little bit. And so I've uh, been doing this for the last few days. I've put an alarm on my phone. It goes off every day at 3 p.m. I stop and I pray this prayer. Now you may only have 30 seconds. And so your praying of this prayer might simply be the reciting of these words. But do it with your heart. Do it meaningfully. Maybe you'll have... 15 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe you have an hour. You can spend an hour in prayer at 3 p.m. I would encourage you to do it. But let us, for the next month, especially as we're going through this transition, that we would take this next month and dedicate this, this 3 p.m. that we're going to pray this prayer together as a church. Now, if it's just absolutely impossible for you to do 3 p.m., well, pick another time. That's fine, too. But let's pick a time. Now, the time that mine has gone off, I've been with uh, two of my kids, and, and so I say, hey, we're going to pray right now. I'm, I'm inviting people in. M my plan is to, wherever I'm at, whoever I'm talking to, whatever meeting I'm in, when this alarm goes off, I'm going to say, hold on, I've committed to pray right now. And so I'm, in, I'm praying the Lord's Prayer. You're welcome to join me. I don't know who I'm going to be with over the next month. Might be some interesting interactions. I don't know. But man, we, we need to be a little bit more bold about our faith. Amen? Like, 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 let's not be so ashamed that we're a praying people. And so we're not doing it to get glory from other people. Oh, wow, they're going to think I'm a holy roller. Or I don't even know what that is. But we're not doing it to, to, to get accolades, but we're doing it in faith, asking God to move, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done, that his name would be hallowed, that our sins would be forgiven, that we would forgive others, that our needs would be met, and that we would see him move in our hearts, in our lives, and in our world. And so... I would encourage you, if you can, put the reminder on your phone, set it. If you can only, in that moment, pray that prayer and move on with your day, do it, but do it in faith. If you have more time at three to, to devote to prayer, do it. But let us be a praying people, amen?